News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, good morning. Morning. You're 12 years, your party is 12 years in power now. You've been in cabinet for all that time. You've been Taoiseach for a chunk of it as well. There's maybe a year to 18 months left to the general election. What's your vision for this government? What do you want to achieve over the next 12 to 18 months? Well, what I'll be setting out here in Limerick at our special parliamentary party meeting are the five projects that we want to pursue uh, over the course of the next year and a half. Um, The first is helping families with the cost of living, um, helping the squeeze middle, making sure that we reward work and put money back in people's pockets. Uh, The second is a continued focus on housing, particularly home ownership. Um, Want more people to be able to own their own home. Uh, Third, investing in rural Ireland and supporting uh, our farmers. Uh, Fourth, building safer, stronger communities. And fifth, uh, a focus on children, making sure that all children have a a good start in life. And that's one of the reasons why I've established that special unit on child poverty and well-being in my department. So that's, they're the projects, if you like. But to answer your question, which I think is a slightly different one, um, I think what we can do best and Fine Gael can do best uh, is to continue to lead our country through a period of extraordinary change. You know, you mentioned I'm in government now for 12 years. What have I seen in those 12 years? Um, A major financial crisis, the IMF and the Troika coming in. Uh, We had to restore our sovereignty, get them out and restore our prosperity. Uh, Brexit, a major geopolitical change that nobody anticipated. Um, A pandemic uh, and also now war in Ukraine and an inflation crisis. Um, And that's against the backdrop of enormous technological change and also changes like changes in our climate, for example. Um, And I don't think that's going to slow down. I actually think uh, the speed of change in our world is going to accelerate. And I think over the next couple of years, there are going to be more external shocks that we haven't even thought about yet. And who do you want to lead your country through that period? Uh, People who are tried and trusted, who have led the country through several national crises, uh, our new government dominated by people with little or no experience, never managed a big budget, never had to manage thousands of employees, never led the country through a national crisis. And that's why, despite the fact we are in power for 12 years, it's why Ireland needs Fine Gael to continue in power for the next few years. Don't risk it. Is that going to be the message to the voters? I think um, with a fundamental change in policy, uh, which is what the opposition appear to be promising, there is huge risk in that. Um, They want to change our economic policy. They want to change our policy on trade and tax. They want to change our policy on Europe. Um, And all those policies actually are the things that have made Ireland successful, in my view. And if we have those changes, fundamental changes, which they're promising, I believe the economy will go south. Um, there'll be fewer jobs, there'll be lower incomes and by extension there'll be less money for things like housing and health, the kind of issues that people uh, are most concerned about at the moment. You mentioned those five projects. It could be argued, an alternative view would be that you're under pressure in nearly all those areas. The squeeze middle, uh, families are saying, well, we're really struggling with the cost of living. Housing, you haven't really achieved what you set out to achieve there. Rural Ireland, we're going to have farmers protesting outside the hotel uh, later on. Safer communities, People are saying Dublin is fundamentally an unsafe city, that they don't want to walk down the main street of the, of the capital city. Well, look, if there weren't challenges, we wouldn't need a government um, and we're never going to wake up someday. But are some... you delivering in those areas, I suppose? I, 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 think, we, I think we are. So let, let's, let's take the first one you mentioned, which is, which is in around the cost of living and tax. Um, since 2014, um, in successive budgets introduced by Michael Noonan and Pascal Donoghue, we've reduced both income tax and USC. And that means, you know, the average person 
in their car this morning in the bus or train listening to the maybe earning 40,000 euros or more, they pay 3,000 euros less in income tax in USC today than they would have on the same income uh, back in 2014. That's the difference in having Fine Gael in government. Um, many of the parties uh, opposed our tax cut programme throughout that, voted against it. Uh, and I'm glad now that we've finally actually won the argument largely on, on income tax, um, that it should be reduced and that people should be allowed to keep more of what they earn. And there will be an income tax package in this budget. Mm. We've had that cutting into uh, income tax before at uh, the Fiscal Council of Warning there's a danger we're going down the road of repeating past mistakes. Um, you know, I, I respect the fiscal, Irish Fiscal Advisory Council. I was a member of the government that set them up. I think it's an important body to have. Um, as a government, we have to listen to advice from many different quarters. Uh, the fundamental piece of advice they're giving us we're accepting uh, is that we shouldn't uh, spend the surplus. Um, far from doing that because it could be transitory. Uh, so uh, far from doing that, we're going to use the surplus this year and next year to help pay down the debt, uh, to set aside money for future pension liabilities and future infrastructure investment. Uh, that's the right decision to make for the long term. And while some people think it's politically unwise not to spend all that money in the run to election, I actually think there are enough people out there who think uh, it's the right thing that the government should think long term. Um, an area where we disagree is on the spending rule. Okay. Um, and I can go into that if you'd like. Yeah, well, I, I, and I think you have. I think you've defended that uh, in the past and, and you've laid that out. You mentioned the squeeze middle. I mean, our, our listeners are drawn from the squeeze middle. You spoke about uh, tax. What else can they hope for in this budget, Those squeeze, the, the squeeze middle? Yeah, well, well, tax is one area. Um, another area is helping people uh, with costs. You know, I always say that there's three elements to any household income. There's how much you earn, how much you get to keep after tax, and how far that money goes. Uh, so we want people to earn more, and we will negotiate a public service pay increase, I hope, in the next couple of weeks. That work has started under Pascal already. Uh, there will be an increase in the uh, national minimum wage. Um, there will be reduced uh, income tax in USC, the exact detail of that to be worked out. Uh, but also there are other areas where we can help reduce costs. So we did a lot already on childcare last year, reducing the cost of that, mm -hmm. uh, keen to make more progress in that area. Um, you'll know the free school books in primary school have come in. Uh, uh, we see that for secondary as well? Uh, again, not society yet, but Minister Foley has said that it is um, her objective, and uh, I would share that objective too. It's been a success, I think. Um, can't make that commitment now, but uh, I think certainly it's certainly a medium-term objective. Uh, Third-level fees? Very keen to make more progress in that area. Um, just think of the cost of putting uh, kids or young adults through college at the moment, especially if there's two or three you know, between the student registration fee and then also potentially accommodation costs, uh, it's very high. Uh, so we're helping on two fronts. The rent credit helps uh, because it applies to student accommodation. And we're building much more student accommodation than was the case before. Thousands of beds being added every year. Um, but also we can help with fees. And uh, Mr. Harris has developed some proposals uh, in that space and we're keen to do something there too. OK, we look forward to that. Uh, mortgage interest relief, it's been speculated upon. Uh, you're kind of reluctant to go down that road, are you? Um, I, I am. Um, I think if we do anything when it comes to mortgage interest, it would have to be very targeted, um, really targeted at people who perhaps are paying very high interest rates or are at risk of losing their homes. Um, we, d we, do, we had a change to our mortgage rules uh, quite some time ago, and the central bank stress test mortgages. I know people often complain about that. You know, the fact that you can only borrow, you know, maybe three or four times your income, um, unlike other countries where you can borrow much more than that. Um, that was done for a reason. Uh, it was done because the central bank wanted mortgages stress test 
stress tested so that if interest rates did go up a few points, people would be able to afford them. Um, but I think there may be some very hard cases uh, where people are facing very high interest rates who could potentially face losing their home. And if there's going to be an intervention, I think it should be in that space rather than something broad-based that would give uh, everyone um, uh, a mortgage interest rate relief, even if they didn't need it. Um, And also there's a risk in that as well, that when you do it, it can actually put up house prices because um, the banks factor that in and and allow you to borrow more. And then guess what happens? House prices go up again. Let's go back to your five pillars or five projects. Uh, Housing. Um, I mean, the opposition say you have failed utterly and that young people listening today would say we are struggling to get on, we will struggle to get on the housing uh, ladder or we're paying a fortune in rents. I think we're making progress. Um, I don't think it's anywhere near enough. Um, This year we will, I'm very confident that we will exceed our housing target, build more than 30,000 new homes across the country. Um, That's more than any year since records began in 2011, Uh, certainly more than and a year for a very long time, depending on how you look at the numbers. Um, and we're now seeing a real, a real meaningful increase. And I actually, knocking on doors last night uh, in Limerick, meet, meeting people in their 20s and 30s who'd bought their first homes. It's great to see it. And uh, we're seeing a real increase in that. Um, about 400 um, people now every week uh, buying their first home. That didn't happen by accident. It's because of the it's because of things like help to buy which the opposition want to take away it's because of things like first home uh, and I really think we need to scale that up because we did have a period of six or seven years where almost no housing in the country was built for lots of different reasons and that's created a huge deficit uh, and at around 30,000 you're starting to chip away at that deficit but not really reducing the deficit uh, in terms of the housing shortfall. And that's why I'm keen that we should increase our targets over the years ahead and um, build many more houses into the future. Okay. Can I ask you about that vote of confidence in the Garda Commissioner? I know you've expressed confidence in the Garda Commissioner. Can I ask you a different question? Were the GRA, as the representative body of a disciplined force, were they wrong to hold that confidence vote, in your opinion? I don't think it was the right approach, and that's not because they're a disciplined force. Um, I, I just don't think that's the way you resolve industrial relations issues. Um, they're resolved by negotiation. Uh, if negotiations don't work, well, then we've mechanisms, we've government offices that can intervene. Uh, the Workplace Relations Commission is one, uh, the Labour Court is the other. Uh, Guardian Fairness of them a few years ago fought the government very hard for the right to go to the WRC, the right to go to the mm. Labour Court. And actually, I think that's where uh, any dispute around rosters should be sorted out okay. if it can't be sorted so out. Well, wrong approach. Is it unrealistic for them to expect a four-day-on, four-day-off roster to be maintained, do you think? Well, I can absolutely understand why they'd like to keep that. Oh, should we um, all like that? You know, the COVID roster, uh, it is a COVID roster, is very attractive, very family-friendly. I get that, I understand that. Um, but across our society, 2.6 million people at work in Ireland at the moment, um, very few of them are still on their COVID rosters or COVID arrangements. They've either gone back to their old rosters or they've negotiated new ones. And what the Commissioner wants to do is to make sure that Gardaí are, va- are available when we need them. And that's why he wants to go back to what's called the Westminstown roster, which is actually the only roster that was agreed. The COVID yeah. roster wasn't one. Um, but there's always room for compromise in these things. Uh, and a lot of people um, since the pandemic 
are not on their COVID roster, but they've negotiated new hybrid arrangements. And I think that can be done. And I hope we can find a solution in the next few weeks. And I know the Minister, Minister McEntee, is going to meet with the Commissioner and also the GRA. Yeah, she's been criticised by the GRA for not meeting her, for not engaging with them earlier. Is that a fair criticism from them? I don't think it's fair. She's met them on many occasions since uh, June 2020 when she became Minister. Um, She took a decision not to meet them while they were carrying out this ballot uh, and did that for considered reasons. Um, But she is going to meet them now meet them next week okay um just staying with law and order for a second a criticism i've heard from some people in finnegale is that under helen mcintee finnegale has overly focused on woke issues like the uh, the hate bill for example and lost focus on the old-fashioned finnegale values of law and order particularly on our streets of our capital city yeah i don't agree with that um mr mcintee has uh, a number of major priorities in her brief. Um, one has been to restart Garda recruitment and increase Garda numbers again. Um, she secured the biggest ever budget for the Garda over €2 billion Euros this year. Uh, the Garda uh, have made huge progress in the last year or two, particularly when it comes to organised crimes. You know, those quote-unquote awful gangland murders mm. are less common than they were. True. And, you know, that's because of the really good work. Would you feel safe walking down O'Connell Street at night, Taoiseach? I, I, I do, and I have, um, um, but I can't, I'm conscious that for me, maybe not the same lived experience other people have. I'm, I'm six foot three, and uh, and um, uh, I, I do have the benefit of guard protection. So, you know, it's not the same lived sure, experience yeah. that other people may have. But um, you know, I live in Dublin city. I'm regularly in all parts of the city, and while I do witness antisocial behaviour, and I have seen crimes take place, uh, I don't feel less safe in Dublin than I would in New York or okay. London or Paris or, 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 or any other city. On a separate issue, we had Anthony Staines from DCU on the show a little bit earlier on uh, talking uh, about various issues, including, he felt, uh, your slowness in, in having a COVID inquiry. He said if the, if the pandemic were to happen again, and God forbid that it does, he said, we're not ready for another one because we haven't fully analysed where we went right and where we went wrong last time. What is the status? Are you dragging your heels on a COVID inquiry? Uh, No, so we've done the scoping exercise. Um, Wanted to look at what's been done already, what other countries are doing. I see in Scotland, they only just started theirs the other day. Some countries well underway, other countries not. Um, But we've done the scoping exercise and I'd anticipate being able to bring terms of reference for that inquiry uh, to the government, uh, if not by the end of the month, certainly in October. With a view to happening? Well, being up and running within months, um, it's very hard to predict, by the way, how long any inquiry will take. uh, And I do want to be broad-based. I don't want to just look at the public health response. I want to look at uh, the economic response, um, the impact, for example, that school closures had on children's mental health. I do want to be broad-based. One thing I would say, though, and I've and I've read the scoping report. First of all, a lot of reviews have been done already. I was surprised myself uh, to read the number of reviews that have been done already. You know, whether it's the Department of Social Protection doing a review of the pandemic unemployment payments, the Department of Business doing a review of the enterprise sports, huge amounts done already, but that needs to be put together. I think there does need to be a public element uh, to, um, to the inquiry as well. But also one thing that did hit home to me reading the scoping report uh, is that while it's going to be very useful Uh, to carry out this uh, inquiry, we will be able to learn lessons for the future. Um, The chances are that if there is another pandemic or there is another public health emergency, it might be a very different one. Like it mightn't be a respiratory virus and lessons can be learned, but, but we also need to also think about something else, which is the different sort of emergencies and public health threats that might arise. One of the difficult 
dealing with, with, with COVID when it did happen in 2020 was the plans we did have were all based on there being a flu pandemic, which is what people anticipated. And okay. of course, okay. no, it turned a, out to be a coronavirus. It's a fair point. Just in the last few minutes we have with you, uh, Tishuk, a, f- a few quick questions, I- I- if I can. Um, you mentioned tax earlier. Is your idea of a third tax rate, is that now, is that now gone? Is that off the table? It's a matter of consideration, but um, you know, it's never it's never been the be all and end all. The important thing for us is that people get to keep more okay. of the money that they earn, uh, and uh, and that um, and that fewer people are hit that high rate of income tax. I, I know you're a proud Dubliner. Um, it's not directly in your in your bailiwick. I suppose it's Taoiseach, Everything is in your bailiwick. That new traffic plan for Dublin that involves cutting off sections of the the city for for cars. There's some opposition from mm. business interests. Are you in favour of it? More pedestrian. Oh, I think it needs a lot of thought. Uh, I'd have reservations about it. Um, I'd absolutely encourage people of Dublin to get involved in the public consultation and let their views be known. Um, I, I accept the principle behind it, which is more space in our streets for pedestrians, for cyclists, cleaner air less through traffic through the city. Um, but there are lots of people who need to get into the city. Uh, and there are lots of people, including most of my constituents, who live in the suburbs and pushing traffic um, into the suburbs so that so it doesn't go through the city has consequences so so you've concerns i I do uh, um i do um i'm not against the fact that this plan has been put forward by the way um but it is it is only now going to public consultation and i'd really encourage people to get involved in that because i know what comes out at the end is not the plan we're seeing today okay um if we have people um intense if we're housing people intense who come here does that suggest and I ask this question with, with caution because I do think we need to be careful of the language we use. But does it suggest we have too many refugees coming into the country at the moment? It suggests that we have uh, a major refugee crisis across Europe and across the world, um, the likes of which we've never seen. Uh, roughly 100,000 people, mostly from Ukraine, have come to Ireland in the past year uh, seeking our protection. Um, I don't think you can say t- too many, you know, Think yeah. about what happens after the Second World War. 10 million people on the move. Okay. Think about what happened when India and Pakistan were partitioned. 10 million people on, on the move. We have to. What do you say? We have to keep our door open. I, I, I believe we do. Um, uh, I just don't see, I don't see how we can turn people away. Uh, and I also don't think it works. Look at, you know, countries that have adopted policies that are very oh. hostile to migration, like, like the UK and Britain. Um, or sorry, no, UK, okay, in America, that, that hasn't worked. That's not a this this isn't something no, you no, can fair stop. Enough, fair enough. It is something you can manage and manage better, and that's what we have to do. Very final question. You're 44. You're still a young man, certainly a good deal younger than me. Will you still be in politics after 50? I hope so, um, but that's going to be um, uh, a matter, obviously, mainly for other people to decide. Okay. All right. Uh, Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, thank you indeed for coming into us this morning. Thanks a lot. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman in association with Air on News Talk.